Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of love. Here where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome and covet your prayerful and material support, your written and emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Give us grace, O Lord, to answer readily the call of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and proclaim to all people the good news of his salvation, that we and the whole world may perceive the glory of his marvelous works, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Beloved, as we begin this another week, we pause in confession, gathered as we are to hear something beautiful, to see someone good, to receive some word that is true. We bow in individual confession, confident in the pardon and grace of God as our choir sings the Kyrie for us. Let us pray. the good news if we confess our sins God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness thanks be to God a lesson from the prophet Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 through 4 but there will be no gloom 
for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 27 with the Antiphon. my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? One thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in the Lord's temple. For the Lord will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. The Lord will conceal me under the cover of his tent, 
and will set me high upon the rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart said, seek the Lord's face, your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. Please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patre and the reading of our gospel lesson. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 to 23. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, when Jesus had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to me, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. <clears throat> the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. When last we were gathered in full darkness, it was some weeks ago, you will, many of you, remember our evening Christmas Eve 
service. You remember the prayers and the liturgy and the sermon and the communion. And then you remember that toward the very end, the house became dark. The sanctuary was darkened and the organ began to play a familiar tune. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, alles schafft, einsam wacht, schlaf im himmlische Ruhe, schlaf im himmlische Ruhe, sleep in heavenly peace. The ushers doused the lights. The organ continued to play. The ministers moved candle to candle to light the flames. There was a startling strangeness in that darkness. One of the few times we gather as a community to, as Job would put it, sing songs in the night. What is it about that one moment on Christmas Eve, that silent, empty absence, that shared moment of yearning then, of longing then, of patience then? What is that all about. People who would never darken the door of a church on a sunlit Sunday find their place in the darkness come Christmas Eve. I ponder it every year, more so year by year. I remember our daughter at age three in a humble country church on Christmas Eve singing away in a manger with those who had been milking just hours before. It felt like the crash itself in the dark. I remember a urban church near midnight with a row of international students clearly in church for the first time a new culture and a new language, some of them holding the blessed Methodist hymnal upside down, but there in the candle. I remember a larger church just past midnight with a, uh, a, as the sermon concluded, a rustling between the sopranos and basses in the choir, like a covey of birds moving off. I learned later that uh, between the bass section and the soprano, a box had been passed and opened and a ring given and received and a promise made and given and the deal was struck in the dark. And I remember your faces just weeks ago on Christmas Eve as you sang songs in the night. What was that all about? that one culturally sanctioned moment when we might question a little bit our assumptions about appearance 
and reality might remember that absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. It was a mystical moment. It was a Nicholas of Cusa moment. You may not have been thinking of Nicholas of Cusa in that moment, 1401 to 1464, who reminded us of presence and absence, of fullness and emptiness, of the yearning, longing, waiting in the dark, of the importance of learned ignorance, of the centrality of the spiritual journey, of the crucial centrality of divine presence, of the wonder of the decentering of the executive self. That night I heard again St. John of the Cross in una noche oscura con ansias en amores inflamadas. O dichosa ventura, salí sin ser notada, estando ya mi casa sosegada. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Our gospel today illumines our path with an announcement that the light falls in the Isaiah prophecy, read and repeated, on those who are the least, the last, and the lost, those who you would least expect to receive it, those, that is, who might not darken the, the sunlit door of a church on Sunday morning, but were present in the longing of the candlelit, dusky, huckleberry dark of Christmas Eve. The unreligious. Paul wrote, Christ came for the ungodly. And Matthew, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, the love of God, rather than burnt offerings. And then the gospel places a candle in the hand of each of four well-known disciples, two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, James and John, Peter and Andrew down on the south beach. They have their own boat. They have their own business. They have their own life. Peter has a nickname. You can sense the fire burning and the music playing and the partying going there. Follow me. And straightway they do. And then up on the North Beach, James and John, they they don't have a nickname. They don't even have their own name yet. They're known as sons of Zebedee. They haven't left home yet. Peter and Andrew, free and grown, James and John, young and home. They haven't left their father's care until in the gospel they left, and they left their father as well, as was read earlier. And what are they doing in the boat? Do you notice? Knitting. They're mending. We honor the adults in our lives whom we love best by 
becoming adults ourselves. We honor the adults in our lives whom we love best by leaving home. And straightway, they followed him. Well, beloved, today as we move through Epiphany, I must wonder, isn't it possible, could we not hope that the darkness of Christmas Eve and the light of Epiphany might stay with us all the year long. That we might be able to place candles in the hands of those around us in the dim, empty, absent darkness, which at least on Christmas Eve together we do face. Let's put a candle with Peter, lift a candle with Peter to the joy of incarnation about which he and Andrew know and exhibit so much. It takes, as Cusa would say, a learned ignorance. Faulkner said, they of us at our worst They learn nothing save through suffering. They understand nothing save it be written in blood. We are given to the ministry of the gospel with people, incarnate, children, youth, young adults, older, all, of every age and station. That is the wonder of incarnation. We light a candle to incarnation today. At Marsh Chapel, we are not in the business of talent. We are in the business of grace. And when an interest in talent occludes or eclipses an interest in grace, we have lost our way. More. At Marsh Chapel, we are not in the business of intelligence, as wonderful as intelligence is. When an interest in intelligence eclipses or includes an interest in grace, we have lost our way. We are given to the ministry in incarnation with people. On February 15th at 1 o'clock, mark your calendars, we will celebrate the ministry and life of the fourth dean of Marsh Chapel, Dean Emeritus Robert Watts Thornburg. In the years I had lunch with him many times at the Boston Harbor Hotel, he told and retold at least one story about people. There was, from the time of George Buttrick and Howard Thurman, and continues to this day, an exchange of pulpits every now and then between Harvard Memorial Church and Marsh Chapel. And back in the day when Thornburg and Gomes were sharing the pulpits, must have been back in the day of mimeograph because they had to make sure that their sermon titles got across the river a week ahead of time. Thornburg took under the mighty theme in the great title over to Harvard Memorial Church, a sermon titled to that great academic pantheon he spoke on the theme, God and the Know-It-All. Brother Gomes came here and sent over his sermon title a week ahead. And he came to Marsh Chapel under the mighty sermon title and theme, Ordinary People. People who knew both congregations wondered if the preachers were trying to subtly nudge each other. And some sensitive souls over here, I understand, even took umbrage at being spoken to as ordinary people. Friends, we are here 
in the business of grace. Let's light a candle to incarnation this year. With Andrew, let's light a candle as well to integrity. Kusa and others remind us we're on a journey. Sometimes we, we neglect to tell others that we too are on a journey. One person telling another where they can both find bread, as Luther said. Sometimes we mistake innocence for holiness. We're on a journey that teaches us differently. Innocence is not holiness. And integrity is found across the river whose banks are innocence and holiness. In the matter of human sexuality, the church over decades has really not found its full voice to announce the good gift of God in human sexuality and consequently lacking that grounding in foundation in integrity of the spiritual journey, we sometimes run into other problems and uh, some of our exclusion of sexual minorities is due to our lack of tongue about the gift of human grace and goodness and human sexuality. I love Jack Toole and knew him somewhat. If he were alive today, I would ask him about the slogan he gave in writing on a napkin in the Arizona uh, coffee shop in 1970, probably important and given the disorder of that era, in singleness, celibacy, and in marriage, fidelity. I might suggest to him a redaction in singleness, integrity, and in partnership, fidelity. We are together on a journey. None of us moves fully through the journey without a sidestep or a stumble. We need to be able to see one with one another a way forward in integrity, not only in these issues, but more broadly. You know, in life we find that some of the biggest lies are the ones we tell ourselves. And sometimes we are our own worst enemies. But this passage today speaks of repentance, the capacity to move and say to another, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I was, I was, I was W-R-O-N-G. Would you forgive me? How can I make restitution and open a new life together? With Andrew, let's light a candle as those who walk in darkness to integrity. With James, let us light a candle to presence, Nicholas of Cusa, reminds us of the mystic presence all about us, all about us, not only, not even mainly, in the sanctuary, even one as beautiful as this one. You know, I say the following as a Christian person, and I honor my Lord and Savior, as I have from cradle and I trust I will to grave, but don't take this the wrong way, wrong way. Jesus is not all the God there is. As Raymond Brown wrote toward the end of his life, we has, have yet as Christian people to find a way to balance the uniqueness and the generosity, the grace of the gift we have received in Jesus Christ with a recognition across the world and around the globe of other similar intimations. We haven't done that yet. We're working it through. 
Douglas John Hall a generation ago warned us that we were veering toward a Unitarianism of the second person of the Trinity, a kind of Christomonism that has all sorts of dangers with it. When John wrote of Christ, I am the way and the truth and the life, here is what he meant in the fullness of the gospel. Wherever there is a way, there I am. Wherever there is a truth, there I am. Wherever there is a life, there I am. We missed a chance to take the gentle wisdom fully from Wilfred Cantwell Smith across the river at Harvard and from Houston Smith once across the river at MIT. The day I was interviewed uh, for my elders' orders at Syracuse University, that's a bit gone by, but it used to be that the elders of the conference questioned you for up to a half an hour, questions spiritual and theological. I stood outside waiting to go in. Along came a little elfin man with a beard, and he could read the anxiety on my face. He was a minister in that conference, in the Central Conference. And he asked me, are you nervous? And I said, a little bit, I was terrified. He said, you know, I've been to these meetings over the years. You're going to do fine. That was Houston Smith, who grew up as a child in the home of Chinese missionaries, who recited the Lord's Prayer in the morning in Mandarin and in English, and he wrote so famously, we are in good hands and so it behooves us to bear one another's burdens. <clears throat> the mystery of the divine is greater than the human mind. The mystery of the divine is greater than the Christology of the Reformation. The, the mystery of the divine is greater than the purpose-driven life. And the larger the ocean of knowledge, the greater the shoreline of mystery that surrounds it. Let's light a candle this year to presence. And with John, let us light a candle to generosity. Nicholas Abcuza spoke and wrote about the importance of decentering your executive self, of shifting your sense of centrality to the side, that's really what's meant to happen in a sermon. To make you wonder a little bit, make you question, to decenter that self. In practice, in the life of faith, the greatest decentering, and it's a happy word, comes in generosity. Keeping faith, yes, in worship on Sunday morning, and faith, yes, with marriage and spouse and partner and family, but also keeping faith in a disciplined generosity. I'm not talking about charitable giving. I'm not talking about a donation here. I'm talking about a disciplined form of giving. Some of you come from a tradition of tithing, and that will be your measure. Others have other forms. But when you come to the beginning of the year and you make your decision about how you are going to lead the life of faith, let's be disciplined about it. The pervasive materialism of our time is not going to give way against a breath of charitable giving. The enduring entitlement of our culture is not going to be shifted simply by a little bit of donation. It's going to take 
a disciplined generosity. I think we understand that discipline in worship and we understand it in interpersonal relations. Sometimes we get a little confused in giving, but let me try to put it this way. If you went home to your spouse and he or she asked you, have you been faithful this year? And you said, well, you know, I've been about 40% faithful or 50%. I don't know about your home, but that wouldn't fly in my home. A lot of other things would fly, cutlery and pans and pots. That's the kind of discipline, serious, generous discipline, which the communities of faith, including our own, need to continue to develop. And my hat is off to the many of you who are living such a disciplined, generous life today. Let us light a candle to generosity. What is it about the darkness of Christmas Eve? What's going on there? Is it too much to hope that in the year that follows we might have something of that darkness and something of this light to guide us each and every day? Will somebody light a candle? to learned ignorance and to spiritual journey and to divine presence and to the decentering of the self. Will somebody light a candle to incarnation and integrity and presence and generosity? Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, alles schlaf. Schlaf im himmlischen Ruhm. Schlaf im himmlischen Ruhm. Amen.
now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume the attitude and uh, posture of prayer that are most natural to you by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the altar rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. of our salvation. Across millennia, you have changed hearts and transformed minds. You have taught generations that a better world is possible and made real by reconciling our differences and mending our lives. Bestow your blessing on those who struggle with disease and loss. We ask this especially for the family of Dr. Kenneth Edelin at this time. We also pray for all those living under violence and oppression all over the world, particularly in Syria and Ukraine, as well as the victims of the shooting yesterday in Maryland, the assailants and the loved ones affected. May your presence bring healing to those who suffer. Reveal yourself anew to us each day as we search for your truth and your light so that we may be crafted into fishers of people fit to embody your good news for those living in darkness. Help us to put aside convenience and selfishness so that we might make your vision known and your love tangible to those who too often are ignored. Following the example of your son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
peace of God be with you. We'd like to welcome you to Marsh Chapel, a sanctuary amongst a city, a place of peace in times of stress. We hope that you find a home here and feel that wherever you are on your spiritual path, that this is a good and safe space to continue your walk. We'd love to get to know you better and help you get to know one another better. And a good way of doing that is by passing along the red contact pads at the in the center beginning of the aisle. We'll pass them along and feel free to add your information. Also be aware that there's lots of information on our website at bu.edu slash chapel and an opportunity for online giving there. Marsh Chapel is a living and breathing space, so we have a lot going on, and I'll just highlight a few for you in the upcoming week. Starting today, right after the service around 1230, is a new book study group led by our chapel associate, Jessica Chicka, on um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship. If you're interested, please meet her in the entryway of the chapel at 1230. As always, there's a refreshment time for fellowship and coffee um, down in the lower level of Marsh Chapel right after the service. Today also begins anew our children's education program and the final hymn of today's service. Please, children and parents, feel welcome to follow Jamie Dingus out into the lower level for children's worship. And next weekend will be the first study retreat of the spring semester, and there's information about that in the bulletin. As we beckon the ushers forward for our offertory, let us be reminded that it is a joy and a spiritual discipline to be generous. As the choir lifts up the song, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, may you find yourself being as generous as you are able.
as we venture out into the darkness and humbly walk in your footsteps, Jesus, let us rejoice and give thanks for the invitation to be your disciple. We share this offering with you so we can continue moving towards your light and share it with the rest of the world. Bless these gifts so that they may be returned to the world in the service of your word. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. <laughs> 